0: just go to cars.com It's Magical. We lie right now, man. It's going down, sided for the season. You know, we're coming off a playoff win.
1: I mean, you know,
2: we had a couple wins.
1: <laughs> Suck it. Toronto. To think that that a season is championship or championship is is um, certainly the way we've approached it.
2: To the Miami Heat fans, it was uh you despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs.
1: James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Atterkumpo.
2: Yeah!
0: Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you
2: did it, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Brew Hoop podcast. I am your occasional host, Riley Feldman. Uh, if I'm here, Adam is out. Adam might be joining us later. Uh, he's waiting for his newborn to maybe fall asleep. Uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed on that. So if, if a third voice just joins us, that's the reason why. But happy to be rejoined first time in 2022 by my usual co-host, Kyle Carr. Kyle, how are you doing tonight?
1: It It is weird being back. Uh, yeah, this is the first show I did in 2022 just because last week, it was funny when you were talking about your battle with COVID, which I'm glad you're feeling better um, in how you are feeling like the players. I was feeling like the league where I was scrambling to make sure that like nothing worse could happen because we had like three or four COVID scares over the holidays. It was just like COVID scare after COVID scare after COVID scare. Like some, we, Either we got exposed. The week that I missed last week, Emma was hacking up a log and she was not feeling great. And then she actually had to take off two days from work uh, that week, gets a Friday. So she's still not feeling 100%. Then Sterling gets a nasty cough. So then we're like, oh, great. <laughs> he's probably got it. So then they were both home all of Friday. I'm turning around. I was like, well, someone's one of those two has to have it. They both tested <laughs> negative somehow. But I, I also knew like I was not going to be able to do a Friday more because I had no energy to yeah. watch both those kids. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit this one out. But Otherwise, things have been good. It It is a good time to be back. Um, I don't know. I feel like while I was gone, a lot of things changed, but at the same time, nothing changed at all. So mm-hmm. yeah, how are you doing?
2: Uh, I, I'm doing okay. I am feeling still even better than it was last week. People who listened probably heard me cough a little bit. That cough hung around for forever. Um, and that had to have been interesting for you because, you know, um, Emma, whatever, that, that that's unfortunately gets she gets sick but then sterling that's like the call is coming from inside the house you're like we dodged the bullet here but then the kid is gonna <laughs> give the COVID to us that's tough
1: well and it was funny because Desmond had a runny nose and we're like okay that's probably he just has a runny nose but Desmond didn't have anything I was like all right cool we're good we yeah. dodged it and we yeah. had seen Emma's family on New Year's weekend to celebrate their Christmas and like we all took a rep like at- home test before to make sure no one had a test a positive test and then Desmond has this call like runny nose we're like okay shoot nope we're good cool then Mm -hmm. emma starts like feeling sick and i was like (laughs) god you gotta be kidding i've been home like other than seeing her family i had been home like those last two weeks because i didn't go to the work she did i was like great she probably got it at her job yeah and then certainly god i was like yep we're screwed we're absolutely screwed it's not fun i am i was at one one point i was thinking what if we just got and just got this over with? Cause I'm just sick of like playing all this like <laughs> false positive. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I know.
2: Trying to find like rapid tests for like at home or whatever. You're like, I hope CVS has a couple well, sitting around.
1: Like we had a bunch, like we had like a few thankfully that we had stocked up on before Christmas, but yeah. once it got to like Christmas week and right after New Year's, we cannot find them anywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was a bit unfortunate. I, I'm not like happy got I got COVID. That's that would be you know, it was not fun to be sick. Uh, it yeah. would be, it would suck if I just had the cold or whatever. But I'm glad that you guys did not fully officially catch it. So that's good.
1: That's yeah. It it just awesome. felt like between that and how awful how cold it was and everything it was just this is miserable this sucks yeah
2: yeah i forgot about that That was the other thing is like it's so damn cold and like even if so if you guys are taking precautions you're like just sitting in your house you're like this is day eight in a row where i'm just in my living room I'm there's like, only so seen, much you can entertain
1: anywhere. a two-year-old i watched uh-huh. so much freaking sesame street <laughs> god we at least i think we went through Forty episodes in like last weekend. It was awful. <laughs> you guys are
2: binging Sesame Street to try and pass the time.
1: It was the only thing that would absolutely calm him down enough. It was enough to calm down Sterling. Like he would, anytime Elmo came on, he was fine. Yeah.
2: Well, shout out to Elmo. Elmo's a big Brew Hoop fan, I'm sure. Uh, yep, speed, we 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 are an
1: Elmo household, <laughs> <laughs> not a not Rocco are, household. <laughs>
2: not only are we an Elmo household, we're an Elmo podcast, uh, and that's that's what it is about the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're I'm good. Sounds like you guys are hopefully on your way there. Uh, and the Bucks, similarly, this is our transition here, are getting close, hopefully, to full health. Last time there was a big like COVID run through, I was like, oh. Finally, we made it through, and unfortunately, uh, we went through it again, uh, which we detailed a little bit last week. But uh, quick news and updates around the team. Um, the only guy who still has issues with uh, any sort of injury besides, obviously, Brooke in his back, um, Drew remains out with an ankle. Um, I don't think he has anything with the health and safety protocols, so we're just waiting for like when that feels good. I don't know when he heard it or whatever. Um, but thankfully that and Brooke, I think are the only people I'd have to double check the injury report, but I think those are the only guys right now who are out. Um, Transaction wise, Javante smarts. Have a nice day. Uh, He is out with a two way and Lindell Wiginton from the, uh, I said Oshkosh herd, Wisconsin herd. He is in on the two way contract alongside Sandro. Um, I don't have any strong thoughts about this. Kyle, you've been paying attention to the herd a little bit more than me. Uh, And for people who didn't read, um, the piece that Mitchell put out earlier, what would you s- tell people about what Lindo Wigginton does exactly?
1: I think he's just going, he's a little bit on the smaller side, only like 6'1", 189 pounds. So it's not like he's kind of like a big body. He's not, I mean, he's not like tiny. This isn't like Frank Mason small. He's probably just a little smaller than you would ideally want. Um, he is, been, he was doing pretty well for the herd. I think in the four games that he did play, he had like, he averaged about 18 and a half points, which was higher than what he had done in the G League of two previous times. He was he, he is not a great shooter. I um, mean, he only shot like 20 something from three. So, like, don't expect him to be really a dead eye three point shooter. But he was able to get to the rim consistently. He is someone that can set up his teammates. He didn't turn the ball over that much, which was kind of a nice thing. I mean, he still had he had a couple games where he had a lot of turnovers, but he also played a lot of minutes. I think he was averaging almost like 37, 38 minutes. So he's definitely a guy that it, his attacking ability was on display for the herd. And I think it's something that we it was enjoyable to see. It makes sense why Milwaukee wanted to give him a flyer, especially with Drew being out. And we saw what happens when Chris Middleton is the primary, when Chris or Giannis is the primary ball handler. It's not ideal. And when the Bucks have no guards, you kind of just have to decide, yeah, we'll get this guy a shot. So I, I think it's going to be good to see what he does. I don't really expect him to kind of stick around after, you know, his two ways are done or if Milwaukee can find another option as a two way, I I feel like he'll probably be gone, but it's, it's good to at least take a shot. Like I said, he was kind of toiling around with the Iowa wolves the last two years. He didn't really show much Uh, last year in the shortened season. You know, he had about 17 points. um, Still didn't really, he's not a good shooter. Like he's at best, his best season was like 34%. And that was two years ago, but he's gotten better in the G league every single year that he's been there. But at the same time, it's definitely something to look out for. Like I said, he's another guard. I expect him to kind of come in now that George Hill is back to being healthy and Dante and Pat and Grace and Allen, like now that they're back, I don't expect to see much of him, but he probably would have been very useful to have, you know, when the Bucks literally had no guards.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so Javante Smart's the guy who goes out. Um, He had like, this is like the boogie thing. He had like an okay couple of first games. Um, Exciting, like seemed aggressive on defense. Uh, He's a little out of control and like transition offense. And I didn't see a whole bunch of him um, in terms of like set offenses where he was doing a lot of interesting stuff um, as a playmaker. So yes, if you're swapping out one person who really wasn't doing much in the way of playmaking, and if he's only like rudimentary on defense, he could probably find somebody to fill in for those minutes. And so it makes sense. And also on top of that, uh, you get to reward a herd guy, which is somebody, something I wanted them to do a couple of times with the 10 days. So um, I like showing like a path for guys who come to the herd and, um, if especially if you believe in your talent evaluation of like hey you have a, a potential path to like the actual senior team if you like perform with us or whatever so uh, and, and it and was I kind knew- of
1: funny when the herd had all those players like get picked off by other teams and the bucks are in this crisis and they didn't have anything i was like what then why do you have this like why do we even bother it was yeah it's kind of like that same thing it's like you have the team you clearly have the talent and all these guys get in these 10-day contracts why did Milwaukee not use it before? And I think that was the only thing that kind of bothered me the balls. Not like it was Wigginson's fault. It was just more, why didn't Milwaukee wait until now when things were at the time looking to get
2: better? Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I, I assume, like you said, he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes. Uh, he'll be nice for somebody who needs a rest or whatever for a couple minutes here or there. No big deal. Um, I guess, uh, speaking of other transactions, did you have any boogie takes? Did you from Boogie Apocalypse from two weeks ago? Any, any takeaways? My,
1: I can get my initial reaction was kind of surprising just because I was one where I thought he would have stayed and Wes would have gone. Mm-hmm. Just, that was my initial prediction. And then based off of this play, I thought Boogie would have stayed around, but I was a little bit surprised. I had tweeted that either Brooke is. Going to return sooner than we thought, or John Horse has a trade up his like sleeve, and that's why they parted with him. I didn't fully understand it. I get why, in the long term, in terms of the postseason, get some, maybe you find someone else that can fill in that backup big that could be a better fit than Boogie, but at the same time, in the regular season, it seemed like he was a good fit. He seemed to, you know, play hard. Obviously, he has his defensive issues and his athleticism is completely shot. <laughs> but he was someone that gave you another option on offense. He at least gave you he tried on defense. I don't know. It was surprising, but you know, I'm not heartbroken about it. I'm not angry or Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. But at the same time, I mean, he's over in Denver and he hasn't played a second there at all. So. Is what it is. I'm. Ha- I mean, it sucks because I think in the regular season would have been helpful, and especially in a game like last night where rebounding was an issue, I think he would have been useful there. But at the same time, you want it, they still need to keep that flexibility, and obviously the tax is probably looming as a threat as well. So yeah. it is what it is. But happy for West. Seems like he has truly found his place in Milwaukee, which is good. Um, I think he's going to be more useful, and especially as we saw with. Having to guard the other team's best players most of the time, it's going to be a vital thing for someone coming off the bench come postseason.
2: Yeah. Uh, the boogie thing, agree with all those things. It's a real shame that we couldn't get like an extra week on that guarantee date because the offensive production off the bench has like <laughs> gone through the It's non existent. It's not, it's really, <laughs> and part of that is because other guys have been dealing with injuries and stuff. But wow, I was like looking at the numbers, was like, okay uh somebody we scored like five points i think sandro against i'd have to double check i think against the hornets he's like the only dude who scored he scored five points off the bench or something uh no well nobody scored nobody's been scoring off the bench and boogie was like a reliable offensive guy so yes having a little more time would have been great but i think all the points you just raised and the ones we talked about last week continue to rain we'll see where we go from here the trade deadlines in a couple of weeks so we'll see from there Uh, and then the final thing because we're Really original. I'm just going to continue to pick your brain off the topics we talked about last week. Uh, we we're talking about all-star. Um, our thoughts were on Drew or Chris or anybody else. If you have extended all-star takes, please, now's the time to let him rip.
1: I would have said Drew deserved it more than Chris did going into this. Like, I think if you had to pick between one, I would go with Drew. It seems Drew has just been more consistent. He had a slow start at the beginning of the season. But he has gotten better throughout, and I think it's showing how valuable he is to Milwaukee. Chris has been fine, but it definitely feels as though we've seen a lot of variance with Chris. You know, he'll have a three or four game stretch where he's doing everything and doing pretty damn well. And then we get a game like last night where he just completely shifts the bed. And I, I think it's just too much inconsistency. Not, and then you add the COVID stuff, which probably had an impact on Chris's play as well. Um, but with Drew's injury and time out, I just and I'm sure the guard position is going to be a little bit tougher for him to get a spot. So, unfortunately, I don't think either of them are going to get an all-star spot. But if I had to pick one, I would have rather leaned towards Drew than Chris. Okay,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm kind of that's where I'm at right now, uh, Adam. Yeah, I'm reaching through the void right now to see if if he's here. Adam, if you're with us right now, give us your Lindell Wigginton takes. Let's, what's your Lindell Wigginton takes? Wigginton
0: looked really solid. I, I, he looked like one of those players that you actually obviously have to give minutes to, um, especially on a two-way contract like that. Um, what do you do, score one point, two points, get a
2: basket <laughs> in that Golden State game?
0: Uh, I Javante Smart
2: Esquith is out with his point production.
0: Yeah, Um I mean, I can't say I've seen him do anything as robust as that one, like Javante step, Javante Smart Euro step, that I think got us all in a tizzy for a couple weeks. But you know, they, they keep cycling through these guys. It's nice to see them, and I I mean, it for a brief second, I thought that there was some hubbub that Mamu might be losing his spot. So I'm, I was just really <laughs> thankful to see. <laughs> That wasn't the case. So, uh, it's Wiginton, because, yeah. It's
2: because I was too stupid to look at the Bucks like actual official release where they said that they waived Javante. So, like, I kept seeing everybody <laughs> be like, "Javante is gone. Javante gone." I'm like, I'm not seeing the tweet and Sham's tweet. Where is this? I was like, Is Sandro gone? Are we sure it's not Sandro? And I was just too dumb to look at Bucks.com. Oops, my bad. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Adam, welcome uh, to the podcast belatedly. Um, how are you doing? We'll just we'll hit this up before we start talking about the games. How are you doing? And then we can move on to the
0: games. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful snowy evening here in in Philadelphia. The city is in mourning at the moment. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty pretty poor football day, but it's. I think people will bounce back. I mean, overall, they weren't expecting them to make the playoffs, but it's a wonderful evening. The Eagles suck, and uh, we're we're all moving on.
1: And I'm excited to talk basketball. So. I do think if the Cowboys had pulled off the win, it would have been even worse over there. So I think the Cowboys losing in the way that they did probably softened the blow for Eagles fans. Yeah, that that is true. They at least have that to hang their hat on today. So,
2: Speaking of teams that have a disappointment and then bounce back and then have another disappointment inevitably, the Milwaukee Bucks this past week. Uh, this is going to be our transition to talking about the games that were. Uh, just the three results real quick. They lost one hundred three ninety nine to the Hornets on the second game of like a mini road two game series. Uh, they kicked the hell out of the Warriors, 118 99 which uh, doesn't do do justice to the halftime score of 77 to 38. Um, and then they lose frustratingly to the Toronto Raptors last night, 96 to 103 um, at home. So I guess um, I have to come clean. I didn't watch the Hornets game uh, because I felt like it was going to be the The first Hornets game, Redux, and from looking at the box score, kind of felt like it was. Uh, Kyle, did you have any thoughts about the Hornets game at all?
1: Remember when I said we cannot have Chris Middleton be the primary ball handler? This is the game that absolutely emphasizes he cannot be the—he and Giannis were— Way too sloppy with the ball. Yes, they had good stats overall. You know, Chris, 27 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Giannis, 26 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. Like, it looks nice, but especially at the end, there were just so many dumb turnovers that happened. And Milwaukee could have won that game, but, and this is kind of a theme, they stunk it up in the third quarter. They tried battling back in the fourth quarter. It didn't and they had a chance to really take control of the game and win it. And they just made way too many errors. That's probably the best way I can describe it. Uh the bench was terrible. Rodney Hood had the most points with six. Um Pat Conton, oh for six from the field. Langston and Galloway played. He played twelve minutes and had minus fifteen. Dante, oh for eight, <laughs> minus twenty-two. The bench but it's a, be-
2: it's a beautiful Dante game because he has those two points. He only gets <laughs> 7 from three. Dante should never be taking 7 three-pointers, no matter the situation. He gets two, two points from the free-throw line, okay? Classic cut, like, attacking Dante. Four rebounds, which I'm sure were insane. Two turnovers, three personal fouls. That's a very, like, right up his alley Dante stat line. I, I like who that. <sighs>
1: Yeah, Bobby was quiet. Like he only took seven shots. It was just a dumb game. That it it, it was a no one could stop Giannis, so we just kept giving the ball. And Chris was he Chris was hot in the first half, and then it came to the end. And this is where the not having Drew Holiday really hurt them because they there is no semblance of backcourt competence, and they still almost won the game. Like that's the ridiculous part is, despite their incompetence, Charlotte was trying to out be stupid
2: than them at the end. Yeah, both teams shot really poorly from 3. Uh Milwaukee 13 to 43 from 3. Uh Charlotte went up this little bit 13 to 44 from 3. Um yeah, I don't know, Adam, any any scintillating takes from the Hornets game at all by chance?
0: I I think Kyle covered most of it. This is this is another scenario where I wrote the recap for this game and I remember nothing from it. It's really getting <laughs> depressing out here. Um I think like Kyle said, the late game execution was Awful. This was the one where he threw that Giannis through the pass above Pat Connaughton's head. Am I remembering yeah. this correctly? Okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. To take the lead, it was like he rocketed the pass like Pat Conanton to the corner. It was over his head, and Conanton could and Connaughton couldn't get it. Yeah, that was brutal. I, I, it it is kind
0: of funny to see after we saw this team in the postseason sort of upend our expectations over and over in the fourth quarter and somehow come through. It is a little jarring to see them somehow blow a game like this and we've seen it a little more lately and obviously without the big three you're gonna have that happen a lot more often um it is a little bit interesting given yes obviously you're missing drew holiday but in the postseason for the most part it was chris middleton and in general i would say i was not super stoked when drew holiday had the ball in late game situations last postseason but you're definitely seeing the lack of him and his game has just been stepped up so much this this year in the regular season but I'll just say it always feels it it's it does feel a little bit weird to have the team blow it late when I sort of assume they're going to win. And that's a pretty darn good place to be for a, a franchise that was never really like that until last year.
2: Yeah, as much as like Drew makes you nervous, especially when he's going 0 of 30 at the at like at the rim against Brooklyn while the entire season is choking to death. You're like, i seeing all this. You're like, I might rather that than Chris trying to break somebody off the dribble. (laughs) Like if that's going to be what we're doing here, I'm probably going to prefer Drew doing a little bit of playmaking. And you know what? I think that's a good place to be. It's good to find your roles. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't seem a little bit more egregious this year, Chris, with the turnover numbers. I have to look at his numbers, but I don't know if it's like, he's just trying to do too much. I mean, it doesn't help that the staff around, like the rest of the roster around him sucks. Everybody can just focus on him or whatever, but uh, his playmaking seems to have taken a little bit of a step back. I don't know if that's a personnel thing or if you guys even noticed notice that at all.
1: I don't know necessarily like oh, in a broad sense. I can just pinpoint near the end of the game where Giannis and Chris were kind of just playing hot potato to bring the ball up. It was a, well, do you want to initiate the offense? Or I don't want to. You can have it. It was that that had to happen at the end. It was, so I don't know what's going on with that, but I, I think this was just another, like I said, this was a Chris Middleton cannot be your primary playmaker in initiating the offense. I'd rather have Dante do it. I'd, George Hill, if, if he's healthy, de facto should be the guy. Grayson Allen, when healthy, I I would probably, if I had to put a power ranking, Chris is probably sitting fifth or six.
0: I will say just some numbers to back up that claim, Riley, because I was curious. He is at the highest, this is per clean the glass, highest turnover percentage of his career, 15.1%, uh, which ranks in the 7th percentile for forwards. Last year, was at 12.6%, and before that, 11.5%. So uh, he is at his highest usage ever, which isn't surprising. We've all seen that. But the numbers, like you said, definitely back up your eye test, Riley.
2: Okay. Well, uh, if nobody else wants to talk about the Hornets, I, I do have a comparison, a question for you guys. It's not a rapid fire, but wait till after the Raptors game for this one because it's fresh. It's good content for you guys. But one last help, thing I'll say about the Hornets
1: game ahead. is don't run a zone against LaMella Ball. Oh, that was really stupid.
0: Oh, that's true. <laughs> Darvin Ham stuck with the zone way too long in the fourth quarter, and, and they were lucky. They were missing wide open looks over and over. Yeah. They were lucky to be in it.
2: That did seem to be uh, one thing we can underline on the Darvin Ham era, assuming it's uh, at an end now that Bud is back. He did seem, uh, being, again, obviously his personality has to just kind of ride the guy he has. But uh, a lot of times it was like, if we could just call a timeout to shift things a little bit here. I mean, we're, the other team's going on like a 20-point run, or we're giving up a lot of open looks and we just happen to be dodging bullets right now, I'd probably call timeouts. I mean, Bud... It helps you appreciate how much of a timeout master Bud is. Like, anytime we like give up two baskets in a row, Bud is like, he calls the timeout and he just goes in a huff onto the court. He's like, is This is pissing me off so bad right now. Whereas I didn't feel that same energy from Darwin, but again, understandable because interim coach with not a lot of resources going on. So, uh, any other final takes from the Hornets game at all, anybody? Nope. Okay. Then let's go ahead. Let's from the low to the highest of highs. I do need to ask. Does this cement Milwaukee's role as the national TV champions for the 2021-2022 season? To go out on the national stage and thump the Warriors in the fashion they did, Adam, are they the TNT champions of the season? Yes,
0: because okay. Charles Barkley loves the Bucks, and so it gives him lots of fodder to talk about. And quite clearly, the team... Seems to care when it's a national TV game. I, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I know it seems really stupid, but it, I would be really curious to look at the actual national TV stats and back them up. It's it's ridiculous on its face. They're definitely not the probably the national TV champion, but I will say it was just, just such a delight to go out and just thump a team like this, given the kind of coverage that the Warriors have been getting all season.
1: When this team gives a shit, no one can beat them. That is what I've learned. Like when they give a shit, no one is touching them. They proved it against the Nets, blew them out the water. The Warriors blew them out the water. The Celtics, they even gave a half, almost three and a half quarter, had to start. Eventually came back one. The Nets at the beginning of the season. Blew them out the water. Like every time the Bucks have a high profile game on national television, they just seem to decide, okay, we are the best team in the world, and this is why we're defending champs. I feel like If the Phoenix game, the first Phoenix Suns game, that needs to be on national TV because I feel like the Suns are at that same level of we are one of the best teams, and especially when we have a national televised game. But that game against the Warriors was everything that went well for Milwaukee. And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I don't think this is gonna last. And after the first quarter, you know, Milwaukee's shooting lights out. They can't miss. Bobby Portis is his own like Bobby Portis is outscoring the Warriors. It can't continue. And then the second quarter not only proved that, but even took it to another level. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, this game's over. This it it was over by halftime. It was one of those where even in the third quarter, if the Golden State Warriors had even trimmed it to 15, I had no doubt that the Bucs would. It was spectacular.
2: Well, it was spectacular, excuse me, spectacular and this was, was like a very good piece of evidence in my nobody has a real answer for Giannis. Now, the worries were down Draymond. Maybe you could have like a fever dream and think Draymond's going to come back and fix the situation. I have my doubts about that. Kiva Looney was for sure not going to fix the situation, and that was obvious. I think he picked up two fouls in like the first minute of the game, um, and it was down to Nemanja Biolitsa to step up and... Pray to God. And I, he did do a lot of prayer, I'm sure, but it did not do a lot for him because Giannis was an absolute force. This is like the – if you want to say what is Giannis at a in the year 2022, you take this game and you say this is what he is. He is an absolute dynamo, attacking the basket, can pass his ass off. I think he like has seven assists, three uh, turnovers, I think, so not bad for him. Um, I think that was just in the first half. He has 23 points in the first half, ends up with 30, like a triple-double. Like, everything about his game right now, this was, like, encapsulated in this performance, I thought.
1: Yeah, Giannis had full control. And it was funny because the game, he started off hot, got eight quick points, and then kind of just took a step back, and then Chris kind of filled it, or Bobby would fill it. Someone else was able to fill in the scoring, and that allowed Giannis to just pick whatever passes he wants. He was throwing absolute dimes out there. I think this was the most complete Giannis performance since game six of the finals. It was one of those where everything he did just worked. I don't know how to, I just don't know how to explain it other than everything worked. His passes were spot on his, when he decided to attack Perfect. He was eight of twelve from the free throw line. Like everything was going his way, and it would not have mattered. I think a, Golden State could have said two or three players, and Giannis would have been able to pass out of a triple team. Like it was, he was that dialed in.
2: Yeah, Adam, I would I would be curious for your thoughts on the defensive end. So play two teams and Steph Curry with the Warriors, and then Fred Van Vliet with the Raptors. Um, both guys who are obviously capable of absolutely lighting teams up. Both of them have pretty quiet nights for them. Now the Raptors he was deferring a little bit more to Siakam, but was there anything in the way that the Bucks approached the defense that you noticed that was like, oh, this is very like particular to this game or something that worked extra effectively past their like base defensive looks? Uh
0: I would say their the definitely their point of attack defense was way more aggressive than I would say it normally is. Now, the one thing that kind of works in their favor I think for the warriors in particular is they're, they're not a team that runs a lot of pick and roll. Like Steve Kerr has never wanted his team to really run pick and roll. They thrive on, on, you know, making, being able to make passes and, and, you know, sort of working together as a unit. So the the bucks didn't really have to deal with a whole lot of some of the hullabaloo that goes along with that or, or blitzing as much. So they're like, not quite as worried about Stephen Curry. When they did do that, they would double him and go out really far. Uh, But it, I think you could feel the, the, the sort of cohesive unit thriving off, whether it was Wes Matthews or George Hill face guarding Stephen Curry and, and denying him looks. It felt like the, the team was rotating incredibly well against the Warriors, as, as, as well as I think we've seen them uh, all year, ensuring that folks wouldn't have open three-pointers. When they did have open three-pointers, the Warriors thankfully missed and the Bucks ran off of them. So I, I think defensively, like the aggressive point of attack – Uh, point guard defense really helped lock them in Fred Van Vliet saw a little bit more pressure and they're like running him around a bit more ball screens and all that kind of stuff but it it felt like to me that the team was on as much of a string as I think we've seen them all year you know they really I thought they really put together the sort of scrambling ethos that they've had to put together and with the with the dearth of zone drop they've been running and I, I thought they they really played it to perfection against the Warriors, and, and it worked really well against a team that that thrives on ball moving and thrives on driving, and kicking, and then finding someone else and sort of trying to play a beautiful game. And the Bucks didn't really ugly it up; they just sort of kept getting in the way of of any of those passes, and you know kept cutting the string when they were trying to you know thread it thread it through and, and keep the possessions going on longer.
2: Yeah, I should note. So Steph Curry only goes four eleven from the floor, two a six from three. Um, Clay Thompson's pretty similar, three eleven for uh, two a seven from three. So like, they're two main guys, pretty quiet. And I'm looking at the list here. If the third star is going to be Andrew Wiggins and the other two guys don't deliver, it's going to be a tough night at the office for the Warriors. And it and it certainly was. I mean, it's I, I'm not sure. I would have to see a, if we've had more of a comprehensive beatdown than that all season. But uh, you're absolutely right, Adam, that the coming into it, the Warriors like. Oh, are, there, are they the new, like, the new it team again? And it was Steph, the new it guy, yet again. And then you ran into the Bucks and a buzz saw. So unfortunate for them. But uh, good for us, I would say.
1: Yeah, it was kind of funny because the Golden State Warriors won the third quarter, 34 to 20. It did not make a difference. I, I It was that second quarter, and I'm, I was re-looking through the play-by-play. And Giannis definitely had a lot of points in that quarter. But a lot of that was because... It was either a Chris Middleton assist. He got an easy layup. He gets a dunk. It, it's not. It was not Giannis kind of just dominating his way through. It was a lot of other guys chipping in. Great Grayson Allen having you know two shots back to back. Like he had a twenty. Like he had a three, and he had a driving floater. Bobby Portis, as we saw at the end of the at that half, he had a couple threes, but he it was like Grayson Allen was chipping in. Bobby Portis was chipping in. Dante had a couple, like, had a layup. It was just guys being able to, and Chris Middleton was getting a couple of these assists. It was guys that were able to just hit their shots, and they were getting them in rhythm. Golden State, could they could not do anything. Steph was missing shots left and right. Uh, Klay Thompson was not feeling himself. It was definitely, it helped, and it allowed Milwaukee to go on a more fast break approach. And I think because of the higher tempo, it got Milwaukee more in the rhythm compared to when the game slowed down, then I think that's where a lot of the issues kind of creep up.
2: I should note semi, perfect from the floor. one one from three for three points salute to you, Shemi. Uh, the other, like the two other notable things I would say about this game from my perspective, first one where pretty much everybody's back besides drew. Uh, we like every, everybody plays. We get one of those rare, everybody plays games. Um, and then George Hill is obviously back. He goes, four from the floor, but nice to have back. Pat's back. Um, Dante's back. Like, everybody's back besides Drew. So, good health. And then I should ask you guys, is Wes Matthews the most important bench player at the Bucks? Like, when we're fully healthy, is Wes Matthews the most important bench guy?
1: Yes. At this point, yes. Because he's also likely going to guard the other team's best perimeter player. Man, that is hard. You can
2: what? you can say Dante, Adam. It's fine. Have <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was
0: going to say Mamu. I think, like, um... <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard because West Matthews obviously I think is is playing as well as we've seen in a while, and we've seen his his versatility defensively is tough to match. I I might I might still partially go Pat Connaughton just because we've seen him do it before, and he was so crucial last year, and I trust Wes and he's been shooting pretty well this year, and obviously Connaughton's in a rut right now, but. Like, frankly, he shot 42% in the NBA Finals. And so I, I would say I would still give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, I also trust him just a little bit more slightly as a playmaker. Like, I know late in the Raptors game, Wes Matthews, like, broke a four-minute scoring drought or something by being able to drive to the rim. But I, I, I just don't I don't know if he'll be able to get that as much in the playoffs. And, and I, I do think Connaughton is able to get the the occasional drive. So I, I might give him still the nod just a bit, but Wes has certainly climbed that that ladder way more quickly than I, than I would have anticipated.
2: Well, and like the difference between Wes and Pat, like offensively, is Pat seems to be a lot better of like a secondary attack kind of guy. Like Wes, his skill is obviously is a great like catch and shoot three-point sh- three shooter. He can drive and stuff like that, but when it comes to cutting off basket or like working in tandem with somebody, it seems like Pat is a lot more comfortable with that, and that was the same like not Pat exactly, but like the way that West played offensively his first goal around feels very <laughs> eerily somewhere the way that he plays, which is fine. Like that's just what he does. But it, it feels like if you're looking for somebody who's more of a complimentary piece offensively, yeah, Pat's probably got the on. But it's, it's like close enough if you're going to assume that West gets like all the important defensive assignments, which uh, I believe he might. But Pat does jump like really high at shooters. He does that. Like, so he does he do that. Support.
1: Yes, he does do that.
2: All right. Any other notes from the ass kicking of the Warriors besides it rocking?
1: It was it was just great to watch. It was just really fun to watch.
2: It was perfectly timed. I thought for sure people were going to start getting the knives out. It was getting dicey, and it might still get dicey after the Raptors game and how this week goes. But we definitely needed the tonic of an absolute pantsing of another like contender team pretty badly.
0: Did you do you guys take and do you take anything from it or because like there's no Draymond, is it like impossible? To tell, because my my one thing I was really curious about going into this game, and then we didn't get Draymond, was how they would kind of like your your working thesis you said for all these games, Riley, which was how how can they stop Giannis? And I I, I thought even with Draymond they wouldn't be able to stop Giannis, but that was really really clear here. So I I, I don't know is there is there anything you would think is is a, a takeaway from what we saw?
1: I, I I still don't think it would have mattered that much if Draymond was there, just because there's. N- Yes, he would have probably tried his best with Giannis, but I don't think he's stopping Giannis. So, and if anything, that would make Milwaukee's defense more deadly because then that's one less player that they would have to focus on, as opposed to maybe Kevon Looney, who could do a little bit more in a pick and roll.
2: Uh, I don't really know. I've never understood really. Like, I understand that Draymond is a really good defensive player. I don't know exactly what he does. Like, I've I was reading that he does like. They do sort of like a zone droppy thing where like he kind of is the fulcrum around which all defense, like inside and outside, he directs things. I just can't imagine. He has the length, but like would he be able to keep up up over a series? I I have my doubts about that. And like the way that I'm seeing now is the one strategy that seems to work against Giannis still pretty well is like if you are a Toronto's Raptors team with like a certain personnel set and a certain like way to execute your defense, okay, maybe you can give Giannis some trouble. Um, but even then, he was like not getting bailed out by his teammates in passing. But like, okay, are the the Warriors of all teams with the personnel like looking at the personnel now are like Andrew Wiggins and uh, and uh, Draymond gonna be able to combine to like slow Giannis down? I have my <laughs> doubts about that happening. So, I, yes, you have to wait to see like full health versus full health. But at this point, I think it bodes well for us that we had this aggressive defense that we could execute in a particular sense against like obviously really good players. And I know Klay Thompson's only back for, he's like, I was the second game, but um, I think that's, what's more meaningful is we showed that we had the possibility of doing something on defense. And like Kyle said, even if Draymond is out there, he's not a zero, but he's not big enough to like alter like the entire calculus of what we did. I would say.
0: That makes sense. That, that's all. That's all I have for the Warriors game.
2: Don't take this win away from me, Adam. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to be the only win I'm going to be able to look back on in January <laughs> with pride. Damn it. <laughs>
1: Hmm. What about and, the other uh, Nets game? Does that not count?
2: No, no. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, We've, yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, that's why I keep saying, and the remarkable thing about the national TV games is every year prior oh. to last year, I would be like, oh my God, <laughs> we're going to lose by 15 to the Celtics <laughs> on like some random ass Tuesday because if it would just be a national TV game. It seemed like we always sucked on national TV games or like we did not play well this year, for whatever reason, we seem to be doing well, which is why I had ask the question. Um, okay. And then the final game this week, uh, as frustrating as the Warriors uh. game was enjoyable, we lose to the visiting Toronto Raptors who are on the second game of back to back, 103 96. Yeah, it was not great. Uh, let me go through, pull up the stats real quick. Giannis with 30 uh, points, six rebounds, four assists, four turnovers. He gets 17 to 17 from the free throw line. And as Mike Boonholzer said, he thought Giannis could have had 30 free throws. Oh, make it 50 free throws. That's how much uh, pressure he was getting. Chris, uh, as Kyle so eloquently put it earlier, shit the bed. He has 16 <laughs> <more> points. 3-12 <laughs> from the floor, 2-6 from three. Uh, Bobby, he has a double-double, but not great rebounding. Wes Matthews does a lot of defense. Grayson Allen has a good first half, 15 points. Then is quiet in the second half, only three points. Uh, and not a whole bunch coming from the bench besides some George Hill. Uh, Kyle, I will leave the floor to you. How frustrating was that loss to the Toronto Raptors?
1: It's frustrating because Toronto does the same thing to Milwaukee every time. And I don't know why Milwaukee, it, it feels as though whenever the Bucks play Toronto, they need to make it as difficult as possible when Milwaukee is significantly the better team. They have the better players. Yes, Fred Van Vliet normally haunts Milwaukee. He he had a not a great Fred Van Vliet against Milwaukee type of game by his
2: standards. It should have given you hope. You should have been like, wow, right. we're in this what, thing. We didn't, they didn't have that deus ex machina of Fred Van Vliet. But then you allow
1: 16 offensive rebounds, and you allow 44 points in the paint, and you're just sitting there thinking, what are you doing? It, they couldn't hit a shot. Again, Giannis and Chris's stats look a lot better because they were hitting their free throws, which, good job Milwaukee, you were 32 of 35 from the free throw line. So at the very least, you did that well. That's probably the only thing you did well. Otherwise, you had a 15-point lead at one point. You blow that. It it was just a frustrating game because Milwaukee should have ran away with this game, especially after the first quarter. And even after halftime, you can kind of talk to yourself and say, okay, that was probably Toronto's best shot. And no, it just got worse and worse and worse. And then Siakam just seemingly hit every important shot that they need to. And it it was just frustrating because it was another one of those games where I don't know what Nick – it's not like Nick Nurse is doing anything special against this Milwaukee team but Milwaukee cannot seem to figure it out no matter who's out there and it didn't and again it doesn't help that Chris cannot hit a shot Bobby cannot rebound the ball no one on the bench can do anything of value and Jordan Wara looks absolutely horrendous in five minutes it was just bad it's just bad and frustrating because you go off of that high of the Warriors game And everyone knew that this was going to be a game that they would probably lose because the Bucs just don't take the Raptors seriously enough. And this happens. It feels like this is the, if anything summarized in Milwaukee Bucks, it was this game in which they look fantastic the game before. They look like world beaters. They look like, okay, they got it. Everyone's healthy. We're good to go. And then you play a team that's on the second game of a back-to-back and you have them at home. And you look completely inept and incapable of beating them. And I think mean, that is a perfect description of the 2021-2022 Milwaukee Bucks season.
2: Adam, I'm going to turn your question back around on you. Is there anything that you would take away? Is this a like meaningful data point, this loss to the Raptors? This makes it five in a row that we've lost to the Raptors. Uh, Should we look at this and like are there serious takeaways or is the fact that Drew was out uh, enough to give you an asterisk to be like, ah, maybe we'll get him next time?
0: Uh, I don't think there's anything to take away from this game. I (laughs) I know it's frustrating. (laughs) It's not it's not fun. It's really annoying to keep losing to Nick Nurse. I'm not a fan of 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 him in particular. I find him him. I don't know. There's just something that bugs him about me. I don't know what it is. I, I wish I could place it. And I'm sorry, Nick nurse that I don't have anything specific to say. I, I've I don't think there's anything to take away from this game. It, it's frustrating. They hacked Giannis a ton. They have exactly the kind of athletes who can bug Chris Middleton um, that, you know, the players weren't shooting. Well, I thought Marcus Johnson had a great point on the broadcast where he was talking about sort of halfway through when Giannis isn't seeing some of his teammates paying off those jumpers. he has, Has a tendency to maybe want to do a little bit more on his own, and I think also when he's getting hacked, he wants to keep trying to go in to get those those foul calls, and and the Raptors, you know, do this as well as anyone trying to draw those draw those fouls off, folks. I mean, the other thing is Nurse played, you know, even with his two of his best players getting up to five and. At some point, O.G. Ananobi wound up following out, I guess, with six fouls. Like If you look at the minute loads, I mean, Fred VanVleet played 42 minutes. Pascal Siakam played 40. O.G. Ananobi played 39. All of those are more than any Bucks player. So like quite clearly, Nick Nurse was going with a really small bench. He, he wanted to win this one. The, the the really annoying thing is the fact that you let them, with Giannis still playing 35 minutes, Like you let them outscore you by 20 in the paint, and you shoot really, really poorly at the rim. And I, I know they have athletes who... who can theoretically contest you. And I think obviously we're able to contest Giannis and and when they could just hacked him, but they don't have anyone. They're sort of death by a thousand long arms at the rim. And they don't have anyone who I think the Bucks or Giannis should really be fearful of. But Nick nurse is just so good at coaching his team at getting to Giannis before he's even touches the paint that it just makes it so much more difficult. So I would say in general, I don't think there's really anything to take away from this. I think Giannis played, I mean, he played, I would say, about as bad as you're going to see. And he still had 30 points outside of his free throw shooting. Like he still had 30 points. So that's pretty good. Chris Middleton just clearly had a, a rough night and no one was really paying off the open jumpers from the outside. So I just don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this one.
2: Yeah, you were right about the Marcus Johnson observation. He's like, yeah, Giannis is out there. He's trying to feed teammates, but it's like Wes Matthews, one of, he's like looking at his teammates, Wes Matthews, 107, Dante, 104, Pat, 103, Bobby, 103. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But you're, you're so right that like every single time he would, it was so purposeful. It was really annoying at the end. I was like, can we do something a little bit different, Giannis? It was like, okay, I have OG Obi in front of me. Here's like a crossover move. I'm going to go to my right and then I'm going to run into like two other Toronto defenders and like try and either force my way through. It was just, it's just frustrating because I'm not sure there are any other team in the league that have eight to what feel like 50 guys who are all six, eight to six, nine, 215 pounds with like long arms. Cause that's the entire Toronto's Raptors like roster outside of, um, Fred Van Fleet. And like like you said, this is the way that they're coached. It makes it really difficult if somebody else isn't going to be paying it off. Now, like, would it, I think it drew, and just even like the gravity of an actual playmaker to help pull things out a little bit to make things a little bit easier for off softball. I think would make things a lot easier. So yeah, you're right that while I can go ahead and disregard the Warriors because they're missing a player, um, <laughs> that they can't disregard <laughs> us because we're missing a player. So that, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a frustrating game. Um,
1: at all. For I think I was more frustrated with the poor rebounding. I think that's, re- I think if anything is going to really piss me off about that game, it was the rebounding because that one should not have happened as what opposed specific? to not. I, I don't know. Like, you can't allow 16 offensive rebounds, and I don't know how many second chance points that led to, but between that and the Raptors having 44 points in the paint, it's just, it was one of those games where you really hope Brooke is healthy for the playoffs because that. I don't think it would be that bad with Brooke Lopez outfit out there.
2: Have you guys ever seen Bobby Portis get a rebound with two hands? Have you seen that happen? I'm sure I have. It has happened. In I'm sure it's today.
1: happened. I just can't think of it. Like
2: I th- in my mind, I think he goes up to like, Kevin keeps saying this uh, a lot in the chat. He's like, okay, uh, Bobby does like the, he knocks it out like beach volleyball style, but there's no like real angle to it. He just kind of knocks it out. You know, whereas Giannis, he would be like, if he blocks a shot, He's like very purposeful as to where it goes. Bobby is less purposeful about his rebounds. And I believe it was like, there were maybe four, four or three minutes left in the game. Um, Pascal Siakam's at the line. Uh, he misses the first free throw, or makes the first three free throw, misses the second. It's going to be like a two-point game. And Bobby just gets manhandled by Precious Achu, who goes up and like just tips it in. Four points for... The Raptors at that point, I think that was like essentially the dagger at that point. It's it's that small stuff where Bobby is a lot like a good fill in for a lot of things as the second big man, but there are as excellent as he's been playing, there are holes in his game and sometimes uh, you know getting shoved around by like a precious Achua type or some of the rebounding he has eleven rebounds, but it feels like uh, it's kind of an adventure every time unless he's completely uncontested to get rebounds. So uh, I agree, Kyle, that the rebound was a little annoying. Yeah, it was it was not fun. It was not fun. <laughs> here's my here's my question for you guys. Oh so yeah, we, Toronto had
1: 20 second chance points. Oh my, oh my
2: god. god, it's not good. It doesn't help that like like again I said six six eight to six ten dudes like all of them have long arms and we're running. You know, either Wes is like tired because he's running his ass off around the perimeter trying to save us, um, or like Giannis is like on the corner or whatever, defending his guy. Uh, yeah, not fun. My question for you guys, though, the week that was, we lose to two pretty annoying opponents, the Hornets and the Raptors. Right now, they're 7-8 and eight in the Eastern Conference. If we were to have the one seed, which team would you <laughs> rather play? Like, is there one of these teams that you uh, feel more confident? In be- Obviously, you would say we'd be confident in beating either of them, but is there either team that's more annoying or like, a little bit more red flaggy for you if we were to face them in the playoffs or do you know, are you confident in beating either of them?
1: I I feel confident beating either of them. I also think the Hornets would be the easier of the two because the Hornets absolutely do not have anyone that can stop Giannis. Giannis can do whatever the hell he would want with the Hornets. And you would think at come playoff time, they'll slow it down a little bit more. Drew's going to be in Lamella balls face the whole time I feel as though when the, if the Bucs were to try, they have more ways of slowing down the Hornets, and the Hornets don't have any sort of answer for Giannis, while the Raptors, while I still think the Bucs would win that series, they seem to have found a way to shut down Chris Middleton so that it's kind of focused on, all right, Giannis and Drew make it work, because Chris is going to be not his effective self. As opposed to the Hornets, where the Hornets just don't have anyone on that team that can slow down Giannis, Chris, and Drew.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think some of the the tricks the Hornets use to score points, I'm not sure they would they're going to hold up over the course of a what I would actually anticipate maybe maybe a five game series because the Bucks will lose game one because that's sort of their right um, and 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 also just when you're thinking about trying to make a long run facing Toronto, I think will be a lot more wear and tear on Giannis. Nick Nurse will. I would. Nick Nurse is a better coach than James Borrego, so I, I think I would rather meet the Hornets. Uh, given that, given they they have a lot of young players too, and I I don't think the Bucks would have trouble with either of them, but I think in the long run, I, I would prefer to face the Hornets.
2: Yeah, the
1: Bucks would win in five against the Hornets, six against the Raptors.
2: I would agree with all that. I should note the Hornets. It's not that they're like a gimmicky team; but they're a little bit like they have the second highest pace in the league. They just run a lot, and they have. Fifth highest offensive rating, but like one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, I think we've seen in the past a lot of teams that are like, we're just going to do like a ton of run and gun, and pray to God it works out. Uh, sometimes that doesn't work in your favor once you get the playoffs. So I think uh, all that is uh, well said, and I would agree with a lot of it. So
0: I just I, I have one thing uh, I just because we've sort of been checking in on this almost weekly now, but Dante is throwing his hat into the ring here, so. He's obviously been struggling from the field, and we have a couple other players who we've brought in who are also struggling from the field. So, if you if you had to guess, who has a better field goal percentage right now, just raw field goal
1: between Dante and Shemi? It's probably Shemi because that last three absolutely bolstered that number significantly.
2: So, who has the worst free throw, or who has the worst field goal percentage, or was the better? Sorry.
0: I can't even remember. I mean, Kyle, you were saying better, right? Yeah, I think Shemi
2: has a better so do you one think because Shemi took I would, that one three. <laughs> I would. So if you were to ask me who's shooting better from within three feet of the basket, I would hope Dante is slightly better than Shemi's 7%. But I would say from the floor, I would agree that maybe Shemi, offensive Dynamo, Shemi Ojale, I think he might have the edge over Dante.
0: You are both correct. and it, Oh, God. It's 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 narrow um
2: it's (laughs) it's by it's by a hair
0: it's i told you that shemi three was gonna prove dividend it did help so they (laughs) probably is what it was they are they are even from three point land each at 23 percent which is which is okay um and then it's
2: like dante career average or so
0: yeah and then so from the field shemi is at 22.4 dante thus far is at 18.9 so not much place to go but up
2: Um, Adam, since you're the resident, well, Kyle's a real Dante believer, but you're the one who came up with Dante's Inferno. So any any thoughts on Dante's six appearances so far? And I'm not sure how many more appearances he's going to have as a Milwaukee buck, depending on how things work. Any thoughts on Dante so far?
0: This is incredible. I I had to pull up the numbers around the rim and (laughs) I'm sorry, you got me too excited. Okay, so Cleaning the Glass has Shemi technically at only having five attempts at the rim, which is within zero to three feet. But thankfully, he's two of five from there, but thankfully they also track the short mid-range between four and 14 feet, so Florida range. And he is three of 18 from there. So he's at seventeen. Yeah, he's taking
2: eighteen shots from four to eighteen feet. Yeah, Shemi, you know your shot profile. <laughs> know your shot profile, dude. Come on.
0: And Dante is one of seven at the rim, so he's he's working really up. I think you got one at least. <laughs> I, I, so okay, so in reality, I actually think he started to find himself it just a little bit defensively against the Raptors. We saw like a couple gambles. We saw him go up for. A, a couple rebounds. I think he had, a, he had a good block in that game. Um, some, some absolutely egregious, awful passes, which are just sort of part of the Dante experience. But I mean, he can't make a shot, right? Like, and if you're not making any shots and you're a role player, it, it's going to be awful and it's going to stick out. We're all, we're all just going to be like, you suck. And so that's, cause that's the kind of, that's the stuff that sticks out the most. When you're doing that and you're turning the ball over, he sucks. But that, that being said, I think he, he is he is slowly looking a little bit a little bit more like the old
1: Dante in my opinion a little bit defensively. It it'll take time. We have to remember that he is basically in preseason mode because he got you know got warmed up, came back, was supposed to come back, COVID protocol, out came back for a couple games, hurt his ankle. We are still in preseason mode with him, so it, it is rough, but. Let, let's give it maybe twenty games before before it, shipping him out to Sacramento.
2: In a certain way, this is almost like his rookie season. If you think about it, <laughs> so he <had> to really, <laughs> he's yet to really finish a full season, uh, either because of COVID or otherwise. So, in a way, this is sort of like his rookie season. So, if he's hitting rookie wall, uh, yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. I like if you guys keep building him up. We're going to be getting into like kyle bubble against miami game five maybe we get to game six territory with dante Uh, i agree that i'm sure he's just trying to get used to in like especially like an ankle surgery that keeps you sidelined for a long time it's like anything else somebody who like tears his knee or if you have like a bad break or something just like retrusting your body at full speed uh but it, it doesn't mean he doesn't have some of the like most seesaw moments where it's like oh wow that was like Crazy steal, and then he immediately like hits it off of George Hill's head, and like transition, and it goes out of bounds. Like, well, you know, Dante, you live with the Dante, die for the Dante. My final proposal for you guys: Big Ragoo. Okay, whatever that nickname, or Michael Jordan of Delaware. That was disrespectful from the get-go. Regardless of if he's like the best Delaware player of all time, is it more appropriate for him to have the nickname the Gambler? That's John Hammond's old nickname. John Hammond isn't here anymore. Could. Could Dante DiVincenza be the gambler? How do you feel? See, about part that?
1: of me also thinks I might go more to. I would have said Pat Connaughton in the past because Pat Connaughton's fly by shot <laughs> attempts. Like, yeah. Those are definitely gambles, but yeah, I guess. I, I feel like Dante is more of the roller coaster. Like, there's going to be a lot of fun times, and there's going to be a lot of times where you're like, I'm going to die. On this experience, and I think that probably more fits Dante. He's going to go on a run where he's going to look great, and then he's going to make a stupid pass of the fast break that makes me question what am I doing. Yeah, I'm just such a
0: purist with the big regu. I, I, it's just, <laughs> it's just so good. I don't know if I can yeah. even change it. it. It is. I don't. I, I feel bad for him, but it's objectively hilarious that he. Came back and within two days rolled his ankle that he that he destroyed.
1: Uh, I mean, it feels like peak Dante, to be honest. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what was he doing? Like some crazy thing that like he put himself in danger. It was just hilarious. It was like a Dante's, out. I'm like, oh my god. Did anyone? Can't be, I can't. can't did, any,
0: did anyone go back and watch? Because he was just doing it like a pregame layup. I don't know if he made that shot or not. Which which would also be.
2: Would really, you Would you petition to count in the count in yes. the glass numbers? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He needs it. All right Ugh. we need somebody well somebody will go do a deep dive research on that that's what uh, that's what we do at brew hoop so look out for the Dante did he roll his ankle but did he make the shot rolling his ankle pre-game uh, tape uh, any other final thoughts on the week that were or the week that was gentlemen
1: it's like everyone predicted win against the Warriors and just not try in the other two games
2: I agree. Okay. Wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we have some rapid fire, some other, I don't know if we have many other miscellaneous, but we do have rapid fire. So uh, stay tuned. And then obviously predictions after that. Talk to you in a minute. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
1: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting.
2: Cut! (gasps) What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip.
0: Just go to frito com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4 3 Void wherever Hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com.
2: And we are back. Kyle Carr, you are back for the first time in 2022, which means you get to do rapid fire for the first time of the new year. Take it away.
1: It, it has been a while since they did a rapid fire. But the first question I have is, do you have a nighttime routine? Do you have a routine that you do before you go to bed?
2: Um, I brush my teeth every night and I take my dog outside every night. Um, besides that, I do not have a routine. I'm a quick, like, when it's time for bed, I just do those two things and I'm right in bed and I'm asleep pretty quickly. So I don't have, like, a ritual that I have to follow, thankfully.
0: Yeah, I don't think I do... I don't think I do either. Now, now, Yeah, yeah. I don't think I do either. I mean, now it's like I put my daughter down and then eventually I go to sleep. But I, I don't really have one outside of brushing my teeth.
1: Okay. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of the same as Riley. Like, brush my teeth, take Geo out. And then I... Actually, that's it. I was trying to think if there was anything else. So I don't know if that's routine. But next question. I don't know if you guys have been following this whole Elmo-Rocco situation. But is do you have beef with someone in the past that Elmo has with Rocco.
2: So, so explain, just like give a quick primer. So for those that don't understand,
1: there's a clip from you. There's a clip uh, from Sesame Street. I think this is like late nineties, early two thousands where one of the Muppets has a pet rock named Rocco. And Elmo is just always annoyed with it. One time, he couldn't have a cookie because the cookie was for Rocco, and Elmo just goes on a rant like Rocco doesn't have a mouth. Rocco's not even alive. Uh, there are ty- like Rocco just exists to annoy the living shit out of Elmo, and it was kind of it's kind of like a fun. And this was like a multiple episode kind of thing. Like this was not just like a one. It carried on a few episodes to the point where Elmo is not on the same screen as the Muppet that introduced Rocco. Like it doesn't happen in the recent. Sesame Street's episode. As mentioned earlier, I've watched like 40 of them. So I've been able to keep track. So that is the backstory out of all. I,
2: I won't give any sort of biographical details at all, but there was another individual at my high school um, and they thought I was like the most obnoxious individual they had ever met in their whole life. And you know what? The feeling was mutual. Uh, and nowadays I wouldn't, I, I doubt to be fair, they were assessing it based on high school, Riley, and I disavow that individual completely. Uh, I don't want anything to do with that person. So I understood where they were coming from, but there was a very long beef uh, where, and maybe podcast listeners would agree that I always have to have a loud opinion about something, but those, those were words that were uttered at some point or another, and that's probably the closest thing I have to an Elmo Rocco beef, but hopefully it's the hatchet is buried a long time ago.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um... I really wish I had something that was that enlightening. I later in life, I've tried to take a, a very firm no beef stance with with most of my life, so I, both with friends and family. So, so I don't think I have anything enlightening to add. I, I also don't. I also would never, I think, feel strongly enough about something to really even create beef with someone. I, I'm like willing to just be like, all right, sounds good, and then I just move on.
2: Adam, you can say it's Mitchell. That's fine. He doesn't see the <laughs> podcast. He's <laughs> <just> joking, obviously.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Do you think Jordan Wara's net rating and defensive rating, has it improved or not this season?
2: Is it compared to like last season? Compared oh, to his rookie okay, season. Okay. <laughs> I would say maybe his net rating has improved. Because he seems to have been have like more on games, but I believe I, I would assume his defensive rating has dropped. So that would be my guess.
0: I'm gonna guess that they're both um they're both down this year. I'm gonna guess they're both down because he would he would play I'm gonna guess they're both down. I'll just say that.
1: Adam is correct. His net rating went from negative point three his rookie year to negative okay. four point one. Well, his defense has not gotten that much worse. 107.1 to 107.6. So defensively, he has not gotten that much worse. Hmm. His offense, though, has gotten worse. So that that'll happen. I like I said, the Raptors game, I think, was a good summary of what happens when Jordan Warwick can't hit shots and doesn't even have a chance to shoot the ball. So
2: Yeah, if he yeah. finds the right team that has nobody else on the roster and he can just get shots up. I mean, I think he could definitely thrive in a very particular gunner role, but that is not uh, necessarily a role that we need with this team right now. So,
1: Yeah. Especially coming off the bench. But, and the last question I had, um, was there anything that you did growing up similar to the NFT beanie baby craze? Was there anything that you just went full, like you went all in collecting, investing in something that likely will not pay off at the end.
0: Yes. Basketball cards, way too many. There was this, (laughs) there was this machine at this store up North where you would put a quarter in, you would do a poll and this guy would, you would get a bunch of random cards and occasionally there would be like a randomly inserted Jersey or like on court or basketball one in there. I probably wasted a hundred dollars each summer just in that thing. And I mean, that's a lot of money as a kid. So there, I have like, Binders and binders of basketball cards that I, I I started taking cursory steps towards maybe selling earlier this year when it seemed like cards were going up or something and I I got like I spent like five minutes and I was like I can't do this so I they're definitely never going to be worth anything
2: spoken like a true NFT like <laughs> like slightly boomer outsider like I was reading somewhere that they were going up <laughs> so that's so I started so and then I so I don't I did never did trading cards I don't think I have an equivalent to that I never got into like did a couple of pokemon cards and stuff when i was a little kid but otherwise not much for like sports cards it is fun to like yes they take up a lot of space but to go through and be like oh i remember this guy like oh that's kind of this is like a random guy that or, so it's kind of cool like if if you're really into the sport and like remember the guys but yes otherwise kind of a waste of space i remember taking up a lot of space with my brother's cards
1: yeah mine was definitely pokemon cards like i'm pretty sure my parents basement has way too many pokemon cards that aren't worth a damn And it wasn't like as a kid growing up, like this was high school, like late senior year of high school where I was just like going around buying Pokemon cards. It was bad. Now, if you ask Emma, it's probably my ridiculous amount of soccer jerseys, but I think they're still worth something. You can at least wear, but tell, tell are... Emma
2: you don't care about a four hundred one k. You got your Pokemon cards and the soccer jerseys. I got the four hundred one k. St- st- I still have the four hundred one k. Just you know, maybe one of the kids won't go to college. I
1: don't know. Like <laughs> you just, you that's just twenty years without Kyle's it, problem.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, no big deal, and I can't imagine. I don't understand why Emma would find a problem with that. So, yeah, so. honestly. <laughs> Shout out to Emma. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, this week we don't have any other mislays. We don't have any film because uh, Kyle's watching his succession. I don't have any pen stuff. Adam, did you have a miscellaneous segment you want to start since I'm hosting this week or are you good? Um God, I any any good like adventures in Philadelphia life? <laughs> There's usually oh, good yes, yeah, yeah. So we were just
0: walking stuff. we were walking down to my friend's house today to watch the Eagles game and we were like walking with Haley and it was nice, and then all of a sudden we like hear some honking, which is normal, so we don't really move, but then we get up to an intersection. And there's a, a man has stopped right in the middle of it. Got is a uh, opened up his passenger side door so that he can shout louder at the people who just passed through the crosswalk. Um, shouted a bunch of cuss words at them. A couple cars were stuck behind him, just waiting uh, called them a couple choice words. Um, and then they sort of, you know, responded back to him and then he just reached over, shut his passenger side door and carried on his merry way. And then we all went about our day. So, it was just another beautiful day in Philadelphia with the citizens who love each other with, uh, with a degree of compassion that's sort of unrivaled across the country.
2: <laughs> did, did it turn out that it was Ben Simmons behind the <laughs> – the <video? laughs> No, <laughs> they, they probably
0: started over something like that. Though.
2: <laughs> so I mean, he was wearing a Simmons jersey as they were driving. He noticed, and he was like, I have to stop, and I have to say something. Yeah. That. And that's, I'll,
0: <laughs> I'll also say that um, five minutes into the Eagles game um, was all it took
1: for someone to say the fix is in.
2: <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> i like how even with the eagles team that was absolutely garbage and probably should not have been in the playoffs in the first place and there's somehow a fix yeah yeah
2: that's beautiful stuff well that's a good say i like the reports from philly land that's a that's a good recurring segment whether or not you are or you are not hosting so thank you for that uh quick predictions before we go away for the weekend here Um, We have four games upcoming. We start tomorrow, Monday, at the Hawks. We haven't won a home game since November, so very Bucks-like to help them break that streak. And then we are back at home for a little homestand. We face the Grizzlies on Wednesday, the Bulls on Friday, the Kings on Saturday. Adam, what do you say for our record this week?
0: I got to go two and two. They're definitely going to lose the Hawks game. I think they're going to win these Grizzlies and Bulls games. I'm really, really hoping they do. I could see them maybe dropping the Kings game on Saturday. It's a back-to-back. That would be quite frustrating. But I think they're going to sort of do the Bucks thing and show up for these midweek games and then maybe blow the ones that we all think will be the most egregious. But I'm going to go 2-2. Two two.
1: I'm feeling optimistic. I'm going to say 3-1. and one. Um, I think, well, first, they play on TNT on Monday, so nationally televised game. Bucks got to show up for that. So we'll have that win there. Um, I think they lose to the Grizzlies. Um. Just, I, I feel like this is a game where, especially if there's no Drew John Brant kind of dominates Milwaukee. They're gonna make a statement by beating the Bulls, making sure to expose the Bulls as the frauds they are, and then it's the Kings. It, it's the Kings.
2: I tend to agree with Kyle. Um, I think we will beat the Hawks, even though it'd be very buxy to lose it, um, and it would be another feather in our cap. Uh, I pray. I don't care we could go one and three this week, as long as that wins against the Bulls. If we continue to get one week win a week, but it's against like the most meaningful opponent, I'll be happy camper with that. So, but I think we'll probably beat both Bulls and the Kings. Are uh... De'Aaron Fox said they still have something to play for, and he's right. Uh, they have the right to play to try and get out of Sacramento and save their careers. And uh, while well, as much as I appreciate that motivation, I don't think it'll be enough to prove. Uh, yeah, it's, it's time for than... to
1: see future Buck Marvin Bagley on the scene. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's gonna—he's gonna look great on that—that that really bright floor of ours. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that game. Um, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can obviously follow us at brewhoop.com. Uh, you can see us on Twitter at brewhoop. Uh, we have the Monday Morning Media Roundup, uh, Adams Wednesday Weekly Wrap Up. Is that what the technical term is? I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, that's close I think
2: enough. So close mm-hmm. enough. Uh, and uh, as usual, we will be back here a week from now. And thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.